0: for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Mr. Lisa, Maia, Glorice, Robin, Renee, Brother Jefferson, Chris, Eli, Duran, thank you guys so very much. Because <laughs> I realize where my help comes from. They make it easier to preach, so I realize where my help comes from. But ultimately, we look to the hills from which comes, all of our help. And our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Come on one more time as you stand to your feet. Clap those hands and give God some praise if you know where your help comes from. Hey Amen. If I, if I can just take a moment as we're standing, because I want us to stand for the reading of God's Word today. Uh, but I just want to just take a moment, um, and, and we, are, we, we will be going to Psalms 27. Psalms 27. But I just want to take a moment and just, and just say a couple things. Um... A couple Sundays ago, um, you all blessed me and my family for Pastor's Appreciation Month, and I was so in awe and shocked at how, first of all, how they pulled it off without me knowing anything, and um, so I was stunned and and rendered helpless at that moment. And um, several people came up to me afterwards and was like, we just knew you were gonna cry. I couldn't, I was in such disbelief. Um, but when I got home, see, this is this is the reason why. When I got home and, and read every card and every note I could not keep them from falling. I am blessed because I get to have the greatest position in America. I get to be a part of this great church. I get to do life with some amazing people. But so from the bottom of my heart, let me say this. <laughs> It feels so inadequate, but I just want to say thank you, thank you to this church, thank you to everyone who who gave uh, out of your sustenance to who who wrote kind words. If, If you gave or just gave me word, it was such a blessing, and it was just what we needed the most. So thank you, thank you. I'm wearing all of my socks and I'm drinking all of my lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> Point number two. This past Wednesday was amazing. And um, it kind of put the exclamation mark on what God is doing. And uh, as Brother Rodney said, he, I, I, boy, that was profound. It was profound. That it was not just me being installed, but it was us being installed together. And I believe that as we are a family joined together, that God is calling for us, not just me, not just Courtney, not our family, but for us to do amazing things in this city. Greater things have been done, but I believe greater things are still to be done right here in this city, amen? And then how many people know that God is not just interested in doing things for us, but he's interested in doing things through us. Look at somebody next to you and say, you are the blessing, you are the blessing. God is going to husband, for those of you who may not know, haven't seen him in a long time. He's still down in the Carolinas working, but boy, I tell you, it was just such a breath of fresh air to see him come through the house, come through the doors and back home here at RT. Uh, I'm so thankful for good friends of mine and friends of our family, Brother Brian Alexander and his lovely wife, Diane, who are here with us today. Uh, You know, people don't have to be nice. People don't have to be nice. And when people extend uh, a gesture of of niceness and kindness, it's just good to say thank you. So, Brian and Diane, thank you all for coming and being with us today. He said he couldn't make it Wednesday night to the installation service, so he showed up today. So, uh, we praise God and pray that that, that there is a word from the Lord that that we'll be able to minister to not just him or, or Diane, but everyone in the house. Let's say amen for the preached word. Come on, are you excited about the word of God today? Amen. Amen. Let's go to Psalms 27 as we are in our series, as we are in our series, um, uh, David's Greatest Hits. Look at the book of Psalms and some of the um, great, great pens or poems that David penned uh, throughout this. We know that David was not the only author of the entire book of Psalms. But uh, we, I kind of like the ones that he did, Pete. <laughs> and uh, we're just looking at those throughout throughout this this series. Psalms 27: uh, The Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life; of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies, came and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. "'Though a host should encamp against me, "'my heart shall not fear. "'Though war should rise against me, "'in this will I be confident. "'One thing have I desired of the Lord that, "'that will I seek after, "'that I may dwell in the house of the Lord "'all the days of my life, "'to behold the beauty of the Lord "'and to inquire in his temple. "'For in the time of trouble "'he shall hide me in his pavilion.' In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. That's what we just got done doing here during praise and worship as Lisa and the team was leading us. We offered sacrifices of joy, amen? Sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Now watch the shift here. He, He shifts from praising God to a prayer. And he begins to say this. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, I will seek. Hide not your face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. For even when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord. And lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such breathe out cruelty, I had fainted. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, "Wait on the Lord. Let me just let that simmer for a moment because somebody needs to hear that this morning. Wait on the Lord. Let me let that marinate on the right side because somebody needs to grab hold to that. Wait on the Lord. Touch somebody next to you and and, and just, just encourage them and say, wait on the Lord. And be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Father, be with us in our time together. Anoint your word. Bless the hearers and the doers of your word, God, and let us leave out of here, not just challenged, but changed by your word. In Jesus' name. Every glad heart shout, Amen. Amen. Before you take your seats, look at someone and say, I will remain confident. Come on, look at somebody else, because that may have been the wrong neighbor. Look at somebody else and say, I will remain confident. See, somebody's still acting real funny. You sh- holler across the room and say, Hey, neighbor, hey, neighbor. I, will I will remain hey, confident. Will. Come on and put those hands together and give God some praise if you will remain confident. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, waiting seems to be the hardest thing to do. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Sometimes waiting is the hardest thing to do. I mean, most of us absolutely hate waiting for anything. I I, I think we have this one picture. Most most of us, when we were were kids, were like this. She said she'd call and she hasn't come. Yeah. (laughs) But the, now, now, the next picture is actually a picture of me last winter. Go to it. My wife said she'd be ready in five minutes. She said, give me five minutes, honey, give me five minutes. And I'm out there waiting, just waiting. We don't like waiting on, 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 on our food. That's why we, we love fast food or, or we love the microwave. Anybody love the microwave? I have learned. I've learned to love the conventional stove and heating food up on the on, on the stovetop, and not just on the microwave. Something about it just tastes better, feels better. Uh, some of us uh, are waiting for change. Some of us are waiting for money. Some of us are waiting for a job. Some of us are waiting for a different job. Some of us are waiting for a husband. How many people are still? Y'all don't want to be married. You, you don't want to be. Any single people? Okay, forget it. Some people you wait on a wife. Some, some of you wait on a home. Some of you're waiting on a ministry. Some of you are waiting on a calling. Some of you are waiting on direction. Some of you are waiting on passion. Some of us are waiting on to, to understand what our purpose is. I've got news for all of us who are waiting. How many people would say I'm waiting on something in this place? All right. I got news for us that are waiting. You can take me off of there. I don't want to see me up there frozen anymore. You, you, you can take me off. i got news for all of us who are waiting. Joseph waited 13 years. Abraham waited 25 years. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30 years. So if God has you, wait, has you waiting, then guess what? You're in good company. You're in good company. And when I consider that, I come to this conclusion and get this good, get this good. Perhaps those God blesses the most, he makes wait the longest. Perhaps those God blesses the most, he makes wait the longest. Let me just share my personal story with you. When I look back, I mean, this this week was was, was monumental. This past Wednesday, it was the culmination of so many things. But when I look back over my life or my road in ministry, I mean, my great-grandfather, Pastor Callie Eubanks, uh, was a, a a a Baptist preacher and pastor. My grandfather was a Pentecostal preacher and pastor. My parents were both in ministry. Uh, my aunts I have aunts and uncles who who are who are preachers in, in the ministry. I experienced the call of God on my life back in 1997, and then in 1999 I preached what was called your, uh, my 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 trial sermon. <laughs> And I wonder if I, had, if I had did bad if they would have revoked my privileges. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. Uh, but I preached the first sermon back in 1999. I had other peers, other friends of mine that, 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 that were coming up with me around the same time who were also called into the ministry. They started churches. Started ministries. I then began to wonder if God had, 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 had revoked the call upon my life or had forgotten about me. Then... Then 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 God told me then, then God told me to do something something crazy. Leave my grandfather's church. That was tough. I mean, at that point, and then and then and then Courtney and I came to RT. And when we first came here, I said to myself, and I even said to Court, I said, There isn't any way now that I'll ever get go into ministry. You know, especially here, because this church is an Assemblies of God church. There's absolutely no way that it's going to happen now. And for those of you who who don't really know, the Assemblies of God was a branch or came out of the Church of God in Christ. And both of the organizations, when you really look at them, the Church of God in Christ is probably 99.9% black. The Assemblies of God is, there was 100, but now I'm here, so it's probably 99.9% white. So I thought to myself, just, just looking at the data, I said, there's no way. There's no way. I said, God must have really, really, really forgotten about me. Or, or he must have really just said, I don't need you anymore. Then I thought maybe God sent me here to learn something. This is when my mind began thinking. I thought, I thought maybe God sent me here to learn something. And so that I could take it back to where I came from. Because eventually I thought I was going to uh, succeed my grandfather and take over his church. That was if God still wanted me. But look at me now. Listen to this. Though I've never held a full-time position in ministry, never held a full-time position, God saw fit for me to pastor one of the greatest churches in America. Look at somebody and say, waiting isn't all bad after all. Think about this. Think about this. What if you took possession of things before the time of maturity had fully come to pass in your life? What if you took possession of things before the time of maturity fully had come to pass? What if you stepped into ministry based off what people were saying, that you were ready and that it's your time, it's your season? You'd be like a cake that looks done on the outside, but the moment somebody cuts you, y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. That's all right. The moment somebody cuts you, 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 you then realize that you should have waited and stayed in the oven a little while longer. Sometimes... And get this, sometimes God will wreck your plans when he sees that your plans are about to wreck you. I thank God, and you've heard me say this time and time again, I thank God for the prayers that he answered, but I also thank God for the prayers that he ignored. If I had gotten, if I had received everything that I'd asked for, knowing that sometimes I asked for things that I should not have. Think about how how those, what I thought were blessings for me, would have wrecked my life. But I know I'm in the right place. Look at somebody and say, you can't hurry, God. Sometimes you just got to wait on them. Psalms 27 is a psalm of trust, just like the famous 23rd psalms. It begins with David's uh, affirmation of the reality of God in his life. And the poem presents a strong desire to live in the presence of God and points to the ongoing need for us as believers to continue to wait on the Lord. The Psalm has six different movements. This poem has six different movements. The first movement is a determination not to fear enemies because of God's presence. It's echoed even in the 23rd Psalms. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil, why? Because you're with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they do what they comfort me. The second movement in the 27th Psalm is a desire to live in the presence of the Lord. The third movement is an affirmation of praise to God. The fourth is a prayer for God's continuing presence. The fifth is a prayer for continuing trust in the midst of life, in a life of stress. And the sixth movement is a word of instruction. But to really understand and appreciate this psalm, I think we really need to kind of understand a little background and what precedes him pinning this particular chapter or this particular poem. You see, you have to kind of go back to 2 Samuel 21, verses 15 through 17. I believe we have it on the screen here. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down. Now, don't confuse this with the first time. There's a giant in this text, but there was a giant before. We know that giant as Goliath. Amen? Amen. This wasn't Goliath. David was a little bit older, and, and this begins to happen. And David went down, and his servants with him, and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishmael, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being gird with a new sword, thought he have, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Watch this. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Here, David was facing a giant, again, the second giant of his life. And this time, he was much older, and unlike the time that he fought the giant Goliath when he took those five smooth stones and began to put it in his slingshot and rip it around his head, and he began to kill the giant Goliath at that time, this time it didn't work. David almost lost his life. David almost died. So imagine when David finally gets back to calm, quiet quarters. And reflects on what just happened, he begins to write, the Lord is my light. Remember what they had just told him, you can't go out with us no more unless they take out the light of Israel. David being the king was referred to as the light of Israel, the light of the nation. They, and, and so in their hearts, they want to protect the life. They told the light, hey, you, you don't come out here in the battle no more because we don't want the light to be snuffed out. That was the last thing he heard from his men. So the first thing that he begins to pin is, the Lord is my light. I want y'all to get this here. Remember the last words he tell David. We don't want you to come out here and fight anymore so they won't take out the light of Israel, calling David the light. David then comes back and says, the Lord is my light. In other words, I'm only a light because he lit me. I can only shine bright because of him who is within me. And listen, my brothers and sisters, you need to understand that no matter how glorious, no matter how great, no matter what grandeur you're able to do, you are only able to do what you're able to do because of the one who lives on the inside of you. If God was not on the inside of you, let me tell you something. Everything that you try to admire us to do would stumble and fall. But thanks be unto God who always sees fit to put the light on the inside of us. And he tells us, let your light so shine that men would see your good works and then do what? Glorify the Father which is in heaven. I'm going to preach this thing whether or not y'all say anything or not. <coughs> Genesis. This is interesting. When you go back to Genesis chapter one, verse three, let me just go there. Genesis chapter one, verse three. We know Genesis chapter one is the account of what? Creation. It's when all this stuff got started. When you look at just go back. And okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, watch this. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Did y'all see that? Okay. So now, let's skip down. To verse 16, then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule at night. He made the stars also. And when you get down to verse 19, you recognize that this is the fourth day. Hmm. Okay, wait a minute, let's, let's press rewind. Let's go back. Verse three, day one, God said what? Let there be, skip down to verse uh, 14. Then God said, let there be, I'm sorry, verse verse, verse 16. Then God made two lights. Y'all slow on this side. Let me talk to the people on this side. Day one, verse three, he said, let there be light. Day 4, verse 16, he created two lights. One for the day and one for the night, the sun and the moon. So when God said on day 1 in verse 3, let there be light, what was the light? What was illuminated when God said, nah, 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 you got to understand everything that God says is true. So It happened. So when he said, let there be light on day one, verse three, then you skip down to verse 16 on day four, and he said he made two lights, a sun and a moon, sun to rule by day, moon to rule by night, sun emits light, moon reflects light, right? So he, he, he made something later, but he called it to be early on. Let me just share this with you. The very thing that he called into being was his son, the S-O-N, and not the S-U-E. See, what you must understand is that light is a representation of salvation. It's the answer for darkness, which is the representation of evil. So God, even in the beginning, created and implemented the plan of salvation even before there was a need for anybody to be saved. God said, let there be light, and it was. And then later on, he created these celestial beings that we now know as the sun and the moon later on down the road in three days later. But the light that he began to call forth, I believe, was the light of his sun. Let there be light, and Jesus began to shine. Jesus began to come forth. That's why he was there in the beginning. That's why John picks up in the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then John 8, he begins to declare that God sent forth his son, Jesus, to what? Be the light of the world. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? Everything the world tries to depict, say, oh yeah, God said, Let there be light, and boom, there it was. The sun began to shine. No, 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 no. The sun didn't begin to shine until day three. Day for me. Day one, we said, let there be light. Let me tell you something. That was his son, Jesus. He was saying, listen, let there be a plan already put in place for redemption for, for man back to God. And because that has to be, I'm going to make sure that it's my son, Jesus. And he will always be there from the beginning of time, even to this very present day. Jesus was always there. So he says... The Lord is my light. (laughs) Though they may call me the light, I know I'm just really like the moon. I'm a reflection of the light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my light. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know there may be some things that I can do and some good things, but let me tell you something. I couldn't do it if he didn't give me the strength to do it. I couldn't make it if he didn't give me the strength to make it. That's why his word declares not by power or not by might, but it is what? By my spirit, says the Lord. It's important for us to understand. Then David comes down, even in verse cha- or chapter 27, verse 4, and he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Listen to this. This this desire of David gives us a key to understand why he was a man after God's own heart. Listen to me good. David was a man after God's own heart because David was constantly after the heart of God. Did you see what I said? David was a man after God's own heart because David was always after the heart of God. Was David perfect? Absolutely not. David was a murderer. He he was an adulterer. He began to to scheme and connive to even cover up the things that he'd done. I mean, he he was messed up. But but you know what was good about David? As soon as David recognized his wrong, he began to, to, to put his face toward Lord and say, Lord, blot out my transgressions, create in me a clean heart, renew within me a right spirit. Cast me not away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore the joy of my salvation. David was constantly after the heart of God. That's what made him a man after God's own heart. And so blessed and beloved by God, the Bible declares in Psalm 16 and 1, Thou will show me the path of life. And watch this, in thy presence is the fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. David knew the benefits of being in God's presence. How many people have sincerely been in the presence of God? And you know the joy and the feeling that comes when you've been in the presence of God. I mean, there, there is no other high in the world, <coughs> excuse me, like being in the presence of God. When you've been in the presence of God, the biggest benefit for David was that he he, he then knew that he would get the protection of God. He, He later in that chapter goes on to say, for in the time of trouble, he will do what? He will hide me. David later picks it up in Psalms 91 and he begins to declare this. He says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I tell you something? God's shadow is so powerful that if you just get into his shadow, you find protection. See, and the enemy is a copycat. That's all, that's all he can do. He doesn't have a creative piece of fiber in his bones. He's a copycat. And so what does the enemy do? He tries to cast forth the shadow of death. And a lot of times when we see the shadow of death, we fear and we mistaken it as, oh, this is it. Oh, boy. Call the family together. This is it. I've messed up. This is, this is the end. But you have to be reminded that it's just a shadow of death. I, I, I was an average student. I, y'all, y'all know my story. I'm, I'm, I, wasn't that, I wasn't that good. I was smart, but when it came to tests, I just... But there was one thing that, 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 that I do recall in science class is that a shadow can only be casted if light is somewhere around. This is this is very important because, see, a lot of times the enemy will cause you to fear. He'll make you think that this is it and that and that this is the end and that everything that, 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 that you thought was going to happen is not going to happen. Let me tell you something. It's just a shadow, and, and in order for a shadow to be there, light must be somewhere around. So our responsibility as believers is just to ignore the voice of the enemy because he is a liar, and if he is speaking, we know that he's speaking lies. And if he's speaking lies, that's the indication for us to begin giving God praise because if all he does is speak lies then what he's saying the very extreme opposite must be the truth so when he says you're not good enough I can praise God because I must be good enough when he says I'm not going to make it I can praise God because I must be on my way when he says I'm not going to mount anything I must be on my way I can give God praise because guess what he has made me I'm fearfully and wonderfully made Show forth all the works of his hands, and I give him glory every time the enemy tries to speak something in my ear. Casting these shadows. But God says, as long as you stay up under the shadow of the Almighty, you will find protection. Thank you, Robin. And then and then let's keep looking at the scripture. And now my head shall be lifted up. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies, all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto God. Let me tell you something. When God begins to bless you, and when God begins to lift your head up above your enemies, that's not the time for you to gloat. That's the time for you to sing phrases. That's not the time for you to boast. Look at me now, huh? What? 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 I mean, going back to your what? 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 See? You thought you had me. You thought I was gonna die or something. Now, the time to do that, what he tells us is, it's time for you to sing praises unto God. I will sing, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. No, I didn't do this by pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Bless ye out of Zion. Uh, God is my provider. He will provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Yea, though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My covering over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to sing praises to my God. Then look at verse 8. He says, and when you said seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek Now, see, this is important. This is important. Because we have to understand that we live in a day and time where people are not so concerned about seeking the face of God anymore. They are more concerned about seeking the hand of God rather than the face of God. And I'm mighty afraid that, 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 that we as believers can sometimes get lost in the sauce. And we too can begin to get overwhelmed and begin to seek uh, the hand of God and not the face of God. For most people, the only time they call upon God is when they are in need. But when you stay in a posture of always seeking his face, he will give you his hand without you even asking. Because Matthew 6 and 33 said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All the other things will be added unto you. So when you keep your priority or when you keep the main thing, the main thing, you get everything else. Uh, when we need to stop treating God like he's serious. Or or our Google Assistant, only going to God whenever we need to find out something. God said, no, 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 where you been? What you doing? Like Adam, where are you? When you spend time with God, the more you want to spend time with God. And the more you stay in his presence, you understand that his love never fails. His love never gives up. And his love never runs out on you. Kind of get in a position of seeking the face of God. Not just the hand of God. I'm like, Paul, God, I want to I know you. In the fellowship of your suffering. In other words, even in the valley, I wanna know you. When things get tight, I wanna know you. When I'm aching on my side, I wanna know you. When I don't know what to do, God, I wanna know you. I wanna know you in in the fellowship of your suffering, but also in the power of your resurrection. Then David kind of lets the cat out the bag. I said it earlier. Let me just paint this picture one more time. When David comes back to his quiet quarters and he begins to pin this, I mean, David, he has to be feeling some kind of way. I mean, feeling real good. Like, oh, boy, the Lord is my light. (laughs) I mean, real confident. And my salvation who shall I fear. I mean, he's throwing it right now. He's like, the Lord is the strength of my life. Who shall I be afraid? When the enemies, even my foes, came upon me, eating my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Did y'all see them stumble and fell? I mean, he's feeling real good about himself. Then he begins to say, even even when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord would take me up. I'm good. But then David kind of comes. He comes to himself in verse 13. Look back at 13. After he he got through with all that stuff, it's almost like he had a moment. (laughs) And he said, I almost fainted. Let me give you the the real gist of what he was saying. I almost died. But look what comes after that. Unless I had believed. Can I tell you something? No matter what you go through, in the words of one of the great classic rock songs, don't stop believing. Don't look at me like you don't know what song I'm talking about. You know what song I'm talking about. Don't stop. Y'all have to sing it. Believe it. I mean, that's one of the most simplest songs, but songs are so true. No matter what it is that you're going through, never stop believing. See, the problem that I think we face in the church is we have a lot of people, Eric, who believe in God. But they don't believe God. We see it all all, all the time. Oh, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in God. God is my God. Yes. But you don't believe him. When he says, listen, come here. Oh, Things are going to work together for your good. You don't believe him. Because right now, it's bad. <laughs> but he said, all things will work together for your good. Hmm. So if he says all things work together for my good, that must mean even my bad yeah. is working together. For my good. In some kind of way, God is able to take this piece and that piece and cause this piece to come together with that piece and bring about my good because if it's not good, it must not be over because God says all things work together for my good in the end. Well, if it's not good, it must not be over. So I got to keep standing on his word and do what? Keep believing. You got to Keep believing you got to keep believing. The key this is what David is saying when he gets down to verse 14. The key to this thing that we call victorious living watch this, is waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. And, and <coughs> excuse me, And this goes back to the very first statement that I made. Waiting can be the hardest thing to do. Because to wait on the Lord, and I need you to get this, is to demonstrate, get these two words, confident expectation. Say that with me. Say confident expectation. Come on, say it like when you have some prophetic conviction. Say confident expectation. My grandfather used to tell a story of a father who was leaving for work in the morning, and he told his son, he said, son, when I get back home, I'm going to have a new bike for you. So the son goes out in the neighborhood, and he begins telling all his friends, my daddy buy me a new bike. My daddy bring me a new bike home today. My daddy bring me a new bike home today. Yeah, my daddy bring me a new bike home. Yeah, I'm not going to ride the banana seat no more. Anybody ever have a banana seat bike? Those are scars that my parents gave to us. I think deliberately, we had banana seat bikes. Everybody had 10 speeds and we had banana seat bikes. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But he told the boy, he says, I'm gonna buy you a new bike when I come home, have a new bike for you. And he began telling all his friends, I'm getting a new bike. No, you're not. No, you're not. I mean, people, you know, how, how many know? y'all got them friends that well, no matter what you say, they in shade? Y'all, I'm the only one who got some friends like that. I mean, no matter what you say. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm losing weight, but you're still big. I, but it's okay. I'm still, I'm losing weight. <laughs> Don't believe, you know. But I believe. Daddy, bring me a new bike home. All right, we'll see. The son, he's not. Wave. He he's not concerned. Why? Because his father told him. See 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 see. I know this type of message probably is messing with some of y'all because because some of y'all uh, you know act trifling yourself. And though you tell your kids one thing, you do something else. But I'm not talking about earthly fathers. I'm not talking about the heavenly father. When the heavenly father says something. When the heavenly father makes you a promise, when the heavenly father says, I'm going to cause you to be, and this is what you shall be, listen, you can take your heavenly father at his word and take it to the bank. Why? Because he is not like man. He shall not lie. Whatever he spoke, he shall do. Whatever he said, he will make it good. So when the father drives up in the driveway, the son looking out the window, "Oh yeah, Daddy." <laughs> and he's waiting, and the father goes and opens up the trunk, and he pulls out the bike. And everything that he said about it is now here. But watch this. It was what he did in between the statement and the revelation. Let me say it for a little more clear. It's how he responded in between what his father said and what his father showed him. It's how he acted in between what his father told him and what his father showed him. See, he began to act as though It was good as gold. Because my daddy said it, he started putting on new shin guards, he started getting a new helmet, he started making sure he had elbow pads on. Why? Because daddy told me I'm gonna get a new bike today. And because my daddy told me I'm gonna get a new bike today and he's never let me down before. Guess what? I'm gonna make sure I get myself ready to receive what it is that he has for me. So the question today is, What are you doing in between what he told you and what he's about to show you? You have to be like David and he says, wait on the Lord. Don't just wait, but be of a good courage. Confidently expect. Have a confident expectation that what he said he's going to do. Hebrew word for wait is also translated into the word hope. To hope in God is to wait for his timing, but not just his timing, his action. Psalms 40 and 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. That phrase, he inclined to me, implies the father who sits on the throne, stoops down and gives help to the one that's in need. I waited patiently on the Lord. And he stooped down from his throne in glory and came to see about me who's in need. Lord, I'm getting ready to explode on this stage all by myself. I waited patiently on the Lord. Is there anybody in here that's waiting on something from the Lord? Oh, you may be waiting on on, on, on on a phone call. You may be waiting on a, a job transfer. You may be waiting on a child, a son, or a daughter. You know that God promised you, but 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 you're still Waiting, can I just tell you? Uh, let me just prophesy to somebody today. The Father who sits high in heaven is getting ready to stoop down off his throne and come to see about his children who are in need. I feel like prophesying to somebody today. Somebody needs to grab hold to this word because you've been waiting and yes, you've been waiting a long time. But let me tell you something. God has sent me here to tell you today that the time, the fullness of time is getting ready to show up for you in your household whatever it is that you've been praying for, whatever it is that you've been believing God for, whatever it is that you've been waiting for, God himself is getting ready to stoop down from his throne and come and see about the one who is in need. Is there anybody in here that's in need of something? I dare you just to lift your hands and begin to say, God, I'm waiting patiently on you and I believe you, God. I believe that you will come through for me just when I need you most. Come on and give God praise and this place I believe God I believe God I believe God I believe God, I believe God. The statement the verb to wait expresses confident trust in him. Confident trust in him. Give me three minutes and I'm done. You know, everybody got those sheets that we passed out? Let me give you these three rules of confidence that David models for us here. I'm trying something. Y'all pray that I can keep this up because... It's hard to get these notes done ahead a time and have them ready. But we're going to see what the Lord says. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. Number one, simple fill in the blank. We got on the board. There it is. So maybe I need to do my slides better so I don't give out the answer before I'm ready to make the answer. But there it is. God is the basis of our confidence. Let me tell you something. We don't put our confidence in man or men. I know Tuesday's past, but let me just talk to you for a moment. We don't put our confidence in man. Let me say it again, we don't put our confidence in man. The only reason why we don't fear is because of him. So for me, let me tell you something. It don't matter who sits in the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue. My confidence is based on the one who sits in the White House. And his name is Jesus. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father who created all of this. So it don't matter what's going on in the government system. Let me tell you something. My God shall supply all of my need. Why? Because I'm in Him. And I don't have to worry and I don't have to fear. Because God said He will be with me. He said that He would comfort me. He said that He would provide all of my needs according to His riches and glory. So my confidence is based on Him and Him alone. Let me tell you something. Yeah, it could have went the other way. I'm still preaching the same thing. Because we are not though I live in this world, I'm not of this world. This is not my final home. Matter of fact, I'm here on assignment. And he called me to influence the world that's around me. I'm crazy enough to believe that I can make more of an impact in my neighborhood, in my community, in, in, in the world that I find myself in, than whatever legislative piece of government. You know why? Because a, because a whole lot of things never even trickle down to affect us no way. Y'all not going to like me. All right, it's okay. It's okay. Only reason we don't fear is because of him. Number two, God is the goal of my confidence. So not only is God the basis of my confidence, God is the goal of my confidence. Like David, we need to recognize that we are only who we are as long as he is with us. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. I said three minutes. I'm at my three-minute goal. Let me give you the third point God is the developer of my confidence. So not only has God the basis of my confidence, not only has God the goal of my confidence, but God is the developer of my confidence. Let me tell you something. We are all works in progress. (laughs) And so we have to stay where he wants us to be so that he can continue to work on us and produce out of us the will and, the, and to do of his good pleasure. Our confidence only gets developed when we stay committed to and obedient to him. David said it. He said, God, when you said, Seek my face, my heart responded. (laughs) Your face, oh God, I will seek. So, my question for us today is when God is speaking to you, how are you responding? Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.